right here. Yeah, bud. I'm sw sw switching it up. Yeah, bud. friends to the joe blow horror show where we review rate discuss and break down horror movies and horror movies not <laughs> horror or horror films <laughs> i am your host podcasting from a chilly snowy central iowa man cave location deep buried in the earth against that zombie attack and with me, as always, is Paul Bunyan, Jr. <laughs> Tibu, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. I'm in a not-as-cold this evening, but also rainy and nasty, mucky, southern Louisiana town in, in, a, in a, I guess it's my man cave. It's my man cave when I'm on the road. I'm in the little the, the skate, the Kia Forte. This, before you laugh in my car, it goes where all the work trucks go, every muddy road. Every rocky avalanche, cliff fall, it bounces back up and we keep going. Oh, yeah, this thing goes, man. I don't know what's yeah. more impressive, that or that beard you got, man. I oh, yeah, this thing. Off. I just got my George Clooney speckled with, with the gray. Oh, yeah, that's the 5 o'clock shadow. Yeah. No, I think I there's think like been... a, nest of, a nest of birds in my beard oh, yeah. somewhere. <laughs> got like leftovers from last night's supper and two and <laughs> i don't think i've been clean shaven with the razor i didn't even clean shave for my wedding i want to say it's been 10 years since a razor hit this beautiful face i haven't been clean shaven in years either fuck yeah. that yep oh man man <laughs> sir yeah sure well friends episode number 30 Nice wintry, snowy episode, but you couldn't tell that from the movies. But tonight we'll be covering Angel Heart from 1987 and Tibu's pick Cube from 1997. Discussion topic is favorite movies to watch when snowed in or your favorite winter horror. And Tibu's debuting his segment. Ooh, what a twist. Yeah. And lastly... I mean, well, that's that's all I got unless you want to get this shit rolling. Yeah, man. Look, I've been waiting for this. I've been anxious for this. And um, I'm starting to, to develop a list because my mouth is all it's all gummed up. It's dry. I think we need to um, I think we need to go someplace special where everybody where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. That's right. That's right. Let's take a little trip to our favorite Pussy in half, 
give us an offer on our best selection of pussy. This is a pussy blowout. All right, we got white pussy, black pussy, Spanish pussy, yellow pussy. We got hot pussy, cold pussy. We got wet well, pussy. the party is outside and inside. There's definitely not being any masks worn here. Um, you got Salma Hayek shaking her ass up there. I'm trying to get a beer. I got one. It's uh, it's a back pocket brewing peanut butter porter, and I may have had one already waiting for Tibu. It says peanut butter Oreo. Yeah, peanut butter Oreo. Sorry, I forgot the best part. Peanut butter Ooh. Oreo, dude. It, apparently, they used 175 pounds of cookies in this. <laughs> What? In this one 16-ounce beer. No, no fuck off. <laughs> oh, yeah, bud. Just sprayed beer in my computer. What you got there, bud? <laughs> um, the tried and true, man. I just picked up uh, an, an old favorite, and listeners of the show have heard me talk about this. It's the uh, Andy Gator. The Andy Gator, yes, sir. Made by Abita Brewing here in Louisiana. 8% by volume. Let's, uh, let's crack this motherfucker. That was a good one. Cheers. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever celebrations you celebrate. Yeah, praise Zeno and hell Satan. Yep, what he said. Well, uh, let's get out of here before the vampires start coming in. I was going to say, that dude over there in the corner, he's fucking playing like guitar limbs, like people limbs as a guitar, and he's got (laughs) fangs and shit. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a big (laughs) floppy arm. Something else <laughs> that dude's got a dunk gun for a dick. We got to go. <laughs> All right. Let's get into some news here with horror happenings. And we'll be right back after the break with sports. Actually, I am being told that we have some breaking news. We are receiving unconfirmed reports of random acts of bizarre behavior and mass confusion from all over the city. Well, as we broke in with earlier, there have been widespread reports of confusion and erratic behavior as well as rabid-like symptoms being reported all over the city. Now, whatever's happening all right, does not so appear to be we'll make a it quick. I got a couple. Uh, towards the end of the year, obviously, people are making lists, websites. IGN, one of my favorite websites to get just news on everything from video games to movies to TV, has compiled their list. And one of the titles for movie of the year is a horror movie. Oh, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Can, can I guess? That's I was. That's that was. I was gonna say next is have you guess? Go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and say it's host, and and I've got nope. reasons if it is. No, okay, never mind then. No, it's early. I want to. I think I saw this in the theater before the this the pandemic oh, oh. started. It's an Invisible Man then. Yep. Yep, Invisible Man is up for IGN Movie of the Year. So I thought that was pretty cool. Some horror getting some love there. So, fuck yeah, kind of ties into one of the movies we'll be talking about in ooh, what a twist later tonight. So <laughs> that's neat. I've got one little bit, and I don't have much information on it other than how stoked I am. Okay, and that's that's that there's going to be a, a brand new Evil Dead video game. Yes, I actually saw something about that, and I was like, God, should I write that down? I was like, God, TV will be talking about that. Yeah, man, you know I'm here, your resident fucking deadite, and 
Evil Dead, like the drive-in, never dies. It seems like it just its popularity never really wanes, dude. The the it's they've had you know hit movies for decades, video games that are hit and miss, but it seems like um, ever since the reboot and then Ash getting his own television show, and now they're gonna have Evil Dead Rise, the new film come out. It's like fuck yeah, it's time for a new video game. And there's a trailer floating around out there. So yes, go I, check out the trailer. I didn't watch the trailer, but I watched, or I saw uh, pictures from it and it looked, it looked pretty legit. Uh, you know what I think really spawned this was the success of the Friday the 13th video game. Cool. You know, that, yeah. That was, I, I love that game. Yeah. If you don't know anything about that game, that was literally, I want to say it was like an Indiegogo or one of those things where the developers, you know, got money off of one of those sites and they actually put out a, a, an excellent game. Surprised everybody how, how fun it was. All of the earliest backers of the Friday the 13th game got a special Jason called Savini's Jason that Tom Savini uh, designed himself the look of. And if you're not one of the early backers, you can still see it in-game by completing the cabin missions and going throughout the cabin and finding all the clues. When yep. you get downstairs, there are these glass cases, and each glass case has uh, you know, the Jason from each Friday the 13th film. And the last one is Savini's Jason, dude. He looks like he came back from hell, and oh, he's shit. all like on fire and shit and looks fucking awesome. It's, yeah, that is awesome. You know what really sucks is the game is, 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 is hurting and is suffering because of that bullshit with – the rights uh, to Jason. So they are no longer able to do updates and whatnot. Yeah. So the game is basically dead, which is, is a joke. It sucks. And I never hopefully. really played it. So I, you know, well, hopefully it comes back. Um, the game, the game's going to, it's, it's, I think it's getting kicked off of its servers and going on to some other servers. I think that was something, and I don't really know what that means personally. Right. I'm not so tech savvy that I know what that means, but the game will still be there. You could still play it, but until they finish this bullshit and someone like Sean Cunningham or what's that guy's name? Victor Miller. Oh, I can't remember now. Yeah. Whoever wrote it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That hopefully they can, you know, settle it and shit and get this ball rolling. But that's yeah, all I had was the evil dead video game. Sucks. It's, it seems petty at this point, but you know, whatever. Um, the last thing I have is just a quick one. The stand, we've been talking about that in the last couple episodes. That first episode's been out. I have not seen it yet, but I read the review on I actually I don't read reviews. I just scroll down to the bottom. They gave it a six out of ten. So it's coming in at lukewarm reception. But again, I never really trust any reviews from sites like that because it's yeah. Yep. So yeah, fuck, fuck them. I'm going to wait until the whole thing's out and then I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to binge it. Um, so, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to watch it for sure. Um, it's full of scars guards. Yeah. Yep. It's two yeah, scars. I, 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 I think the, I mean, I well, so I, I should, I should take that back. It's not that I don't read any of it. I just read the final verdict or whatever the last paragraph. And I think they are talking about um, the best part about it is is Randall Flagg, Skarsgård. Apparently, he's just a stud. So that's my boy Flag, man. Yep. Anything else news-wise before we 
keep this train rolling. I think we're clipping along at a good, good, good rate here. No, man, I got nothing. Um, I haven't been snooping around. I've just been trying to catch up on some 2020 watches. So yep. yeah, that's going to be, yeah. be some good shit. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll move on here to discussion. Talk is cheap, motherfucker. Okay. So the discussion topic this week, obviously I've said it on the show before. My favorite season is winter over summer, fall. I don't know. Spring kind of sucks. Just a yep. big muddy fucking mess up here. At least spring is probably different in other parts of the country, but where you get snow, it's just kind of a mess. I, I grew up in Northern Minnesota, snowmobiling, ice fishing, love the outdoors. I love winter. I love, I love movies that get me in that the winter feels, the winter vibe, especially horror movies. So I wanted us to talk about your favorite movies to watch when snowed in or snow days. Um, for those of you that do not get experience those, I feel real sorry. Um, so we're going to talk about winter horror. But those that grew up in the Midwest or up in the North will know what I talk about when I talk about snow days. Growing up as a kid, you know, it, this is back before the internet days and stuff too. So you, you, you know, you watch the news or whatever, but I mean, half the time, you know, it would just come and, and nobody would really expect it. And my favorite thing ever was getting up and looking out. We at the house I grew up in, we had this huge picture window and our house was up on a hill a little bit to the road. And, um, I remember getting up in the morning and I, there are certain storms I remember and just seeing three feet of snow out there and knowing like you didn't even have to turn the TV on to know that you're getting a snow day. Um, but yeah, back then before there was internet, you know, if you got a little snow or it was icy, you'd turn it on to the local news and wait for your school to scroll by and see if you had a two or four hour late start and whatever. Um, and those were, were, those days were my favorite. We would, you know, maybe not as much horror back then, but just, you know, I think that's why I love snowed in horror movies is because it's, it's a lot of nostalgia. You know, we'd get up and, you know, mom would make hot cocoa and we'd, you know, watch our cartoons and then we'd spend the whole day outside playing and sledding and whatnot. And I think uh, when I watch certain movies, it, it kind of brings me back to that. And I figured we'd do our top five uh, favorite winter well, horror, so. <laughs> for, for me down here in Louisiana, spring, by the way, just to say it sucks because I have uh, spring allergies. So for me, everything's oh, yeah. coming back to life. And I just want to stomp it out of existence and get the pollen out of my face because it just fucks my life up. Um, but I, I agree, winter is also my favorite time of year. And I pined for having snow my whole life. And we'd get little flurries every so often, every few years, maybe some snow would fall and you'd get to make a little snowball. And it's, you know, a man can dream, though. A man can dream. I eventually moved to, to Jersey and I got to experience winter, man, full-blown winter. And oh, I, I okay. fucking I forgot that you were up there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was up there for about five years or a little over five years. And, um, even down here though, it, it does get cold. And when that cold air hits your lungs, it just, for me, it's invigorating. It makes me feel more alive. It gives me a pep. Um, it's <laughs> as a kid too, when you're talking about mom, what mom used to make, we'd have like fucking fritters and coffee milk. Um, yep. that's some, I don't know, some, maybe some Louisiana shit. You might know them as a different version of them, beignets. Those yep. are famous in New Orleans. Um, yeah. 
but Snowden horror, it's it's like that's becoming a a a qualified subgenre now. It, it it seems like people are starting to recognize there's enough horror films set in the snow or in the winter time that it 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 evokes a certain feeling of I don't know. There's maybe some extra dread because everything that you're surrounded by is cold and dead, and everyone flip balls for that new Jason movie. Never hike in the snow. Yep. And I mean, me, count me among them. I thought the imagery was everything we always, people who wanted it, always wanted it to be. It was fucking cool to see the blood in the snow and shit and motherfucking hockey mask. <laughs> yep. You know, one thing too is not that I'm trying to put myself on a pedestal, but I think that people that have never experienced winter, and there is a vast majority that have experienced winter, but haven't experienced winter that I think certain movies, you know, spoiler alert, Frozen's not on my list, but certain movies that are trying to elicit feelings from you, like extreme cold and people that have never experienced extreme cold, I think that it's, it, it's it, lost on them. It is. I mean, you know, it, just, you know, for myself, I think a lot of people in, you know, the North probably have, but, you know, just being so cold, like your hands get so cold and when you try to warm them up, it hurts. It feels like someone's pounding on them with a hammer. You know, that's why they say if you get frostbite, you can't put your hands under hot water. But, you know, just myself with my buddies out ice fishing or snowmobiling, you know, and you push yourself past that point of comfort, especially if you're ice fishing, if the fish are biting and you're hole hopping and you're not able to sit in your warm hut and you're outside in 30 below weather and you're catching fish and your fingers are so cold. Like, I mean, there there's certain things that I think um, are more effective to, to people that have kind of been there and experienced it kind of thing. And, there's and, another thing that happens when you're working in the cold, working with your hands in the yeah. cold, it hurts. It hurts oh, more. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you, if you hit your, let's say you hit your smash your hand in mild temperatures. I don't know why, man, but for some reason you bang your hand around or you're doing hard work with yep. your hands. It's like, you feel that shit more, dude. It's more rugged. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. The, win the win winter and cold is, is no fucking joke. We can right. be hot all day long. You start getting cold, real cold, that starts fucking you up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and like if you've never had really bad frostbite, like you don't – it's just – yeah. So, I mean, I think there's just a lot of things that really I can relate to more with, with certain – because they're – I mean, I don't know. It's not necessarily a genre, but I would say desolate, cold, winter – snowy is like some of my favorite i would say settings because i mm -hmm. think i can really get lost in a setting especially movies a lot, a lot of people don't realize you know if, if you get like like our friends up in the northeast that got just you know fist fucked with that storm <laughs> after a snowstorm it's the most quiet like you've never heard quiet and unless you've been out after a huge snowstorm um and it's not a phenomenon. What happens is, is you get all this fluffy snow and it insulates everything. So the sound waves get absorbed into the snow and it's just like, it's scary quiet. And there's certain movies, you know, that, that is trying to portray. And, and I think as a, as a viewer, you, you don't understand or you can't really put yourself there if you haven't experienced it. But anyways, I don't want to seem like, you know, again, I'm up on my soapbox here or whatever, but I, I love, I love winter horror. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, we, we, I think we did a discussion topic previously about, um, you know, horror habits and, and, you know, what movies you watch in the winter and summer and, you know, or do you, 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into this because I always will watch, well, last episode, we talked about me watching the shining, um, up at that cabin. So I love, mm-hmm. I love this, this type of stuff. So anyways, um, why don't you, uh, uh, say whatever you want to say and then get into your number five. We'll go your five, my five and back and forth down to one. Well, I won't, I won't, lists, right? Fuck. Yeah. I won't veer away from the cliche. And I'm going to go ahead and start my list off with what you just brought up, The Shining. That is one of my favorites snowed in in the wintertime. The the whole premise, the whole setting is uh, Jack Torrance and his family have to be – well, they don't have to go, but they go with him. He's got to watch the Overlook Hotel for the winter because it's shut down and it needs maintenance the entire time. Well, little does he know that this motherfucking hotel is haunted. And by haunted in Stephen King's world, that can mean all kinds of things. The hotel itself is a force of, of dark, evil. It's like it's a culmination of it, and for various reasons, um, a lot of which you can find out from the novel and its sequel novel. The, the film itself doesn't go so much into that. They allude to Native American burial grounds um, being, being the reason for the hauntings, but it's the it's the isolation of the family in this cold, like you said, cold, desolate landscape, surrounded by nothing for miles. So if and when shit goes wrong, there's nothing anywhere near close to you that can save you. I mean, dude, I don't have to go into it, and I think we we didn't really go into it either because The Shining is something that uh, you're wanting to do a a big a big deal on, right? Like a like a yes. special. And busy bee. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go too much into the shining after, after that. Were we rating? We're not rating these, right? We're just kind of talking about them. a little oh, bit. Oh no. Yeah. I guess I wasn't prepared to rate them. Yeah. We'll yeah. Okay. Me, me, me neither. Me neither. I, I, I mean, I think clearly they're all going to be pretty high ratings. Yeah. I mean, we picked but, them for a reason. Yeah. Right. Okay. So question for you, Tibu, what's my favorite genre of horror movies? Zombie films. What's my favorite setting of horror movies? The cold and the wintry. So put those two together and what do you get? Um, damn, I'm blanking. You get a little zombie movie out of, I believe it was Norway. And I think it was like the mid 2000s called Dead Snow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's the, yes. the Nazi yep. one, right? Yes, yes. Love oh, it. okay, it's, yeah. If you... If you just look, that's one of those movies where you look at the the cover and you see like snow and a zombie wearing a a swastika hat, like military. You know it's going to be fucking great. The problem <laughs> is, is they thought they were just making some shitty, cheesy, campy horror movie, and they didn't realize it was going to be a fucking gem. So, I love that movie. It's it's silly. It's it's scary. It's got the gore. It's a good zombie movie in an even better setting. Um, so yeah, dead snow. Love it. It's pretty fun. That's my mm. number five. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Oh, I did. I, I wanted to point this out. Uh, I, my list is not in, in any particular order. Just so you know, it's just five movies that I love that. Okay. Because it, I, I find it hard to rate them based on what we're setting them, like what the setting is. Sure. Versus how much I love the film itself. Yeah. Um, so I just, mine are just random. But uh, coming up again on what would be I, considered 
I'm going to, I'm going to, before you get into your number four, I'm just going to say, I did rate mine not by rating of score, but by rating of the discussion topics. So like my favorite, um, like, like wintry, like you watch this and you really get what we talked about on the phone earlier today. You know, what gets you, excuse me, what gets you into that wintry Christmassy kind of season feeling. So Mm-hmm. that's what I did is, is if you were to make me watch, you know, these five movies, what one would make me feel the most like, Hey, it's winter Christmas season. So that's what I did with mine. But okay. Fine. Yeah. And, and, and then to point out further, I left off on purpose Christmas horror movies. Oh, okay. just to, just to keep it strictly about the uh, a winter yeah. okay. cold setting. So, or yeah, snowy I mean, setting. I, I, yeah, I didn't real get, get real detailed with this. Um, as well i mean i do have one christmas one on here but again you know to be it's fair a, I think there's a lot of christmas movies that don't really focus on the cold wintry snow as much so that's true too but, um so anyways, next, I just i've got to that. sorry i just wanted to oh, get yeah. that out there i'm gonna go with another cliche john carpenter's the thing i've talked about this on my show you've talked about it on yours uh <laughs> it's a fucking classic man yeah i mean and uh, it, how much more snow and isolation can you get than antarctica right I mean, you're that it's the middle of of, of nowhere in the middle of nowhere <laughs> it's yeah uh, you're out there no human being around for miles no way to get away unless some some crazy strategic plan is set into place and helicopters are flown to your location and on top of it all you have some Lovecraftian angel, not angel, alien, excuse me, uh, from from outer space supposedly that's been unearthed and by by Norwegians. So I, maybe the maybe the maybe the uh, Nazi zombies had something to do with it. Uh, <laughs> he said it was for out of he said it was out of Norway. Yeah. So um, Kurt Russell and, and his band of jolly buddies have to deal with this shape shifting body horror of an alien i mean bl- talk about the blood and the snow this movie's got both uh b- b- i don't think i need to really say I mean, yeah it's a masterpiece man right I mean, oh yeah it's one you ain't got a rate that's just straight up 10 out. and i think i think that one of the effective uses of the cold in it is at the end um are we gonna spoil something here Yes, no. Uh yeah, I mean, hashtag spoiler alert, we're talking about a movie that's 30 years old, so more Yeah, than- at the very end there's some ambiguity as to whether or not Childs is um has been corrupted by the thing because in the scene you see Kurt Russell's breath when when they're outside and the the entire facility's been blown up and destroyed and is on fire. You see his breath in the winter air. But you don't see Giles's breath, so they're they and they're having a conversation about you know what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's just kind of it, it's it, dude. That that ending is so dark and brutal. <laughs> I fucking love it, man. So yeah, that's one of my other favorite wintery film, wintery wintery horror films. Number four is a new movie from 2020, and that is The Lodge. I I would say this movie at least in the horror community is pretty divisive with some people liking it, some people not liking it, but 
I, I mean, it's, it's right up there with your horror and winter and snow and everything. So, you know, I don't know what else to say. If you haven't seen the movie, check it out. I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but it's, it really does give you that winter, winter feel. I mean, there's one scene, you know, wandering around in the cold. It makes you, makes you feel really cold. It's one of those movies that does a good job making you feel, you know, cold and chilly and, and whatnot. So I really don't want to get too much into it since it is a 2020 movie and it's fairly new, but number four, the lodge, check it out. Yeah. Wow. And that's your number four. And with that, and with that being said, you've, you've, you've tipped your hat quite a bit. You <laughs> tipped your hand quite a bit right there. Okay. Up next, I've got cold ground. This is a newer film. I think it came out in 2018 um maybe 19 uh shit i should have looked that up it's a found footage film set in the 70s and this this movie in it it talk about captures the majesty and the dread of what being out in in the wilderness is in the snow i forget what the what what the exact mountain range was where they filmed this i'm looking it up yeah they they filmed this movie on location in this beautiful mountain range in Scandinavia or somewhere, man. Yeah. I feel bad. I should have looked, looked up the notes for this just to, just to, what year did you say it's from 2017 or yep. 18? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> oh, it's already on my watch list. So someone else is talking about it too. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it, this is, this is what you call a hidden gem. Um, it found footage movie, very effective. It's very much in the style of Blair, Witch. So if you dig that vibe and you wanted it in the snow, Cold Ground is the movie for you. I'm not going to spoil what's going on in it. It's just, you got to watch it hmm. under a full moon. <clears throat> I will be, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> see what you did. I, uh, no, I, I put that, I put that in my, well, it was already in my list, but I'm going to be moving that to the top here. That reminds me too, I will say another hidden gem. It's not on my list, but I want to give it a little shout out. Well, maybe we'll just call it a, um, 3.5 out of, out of five there. No. Uh, why can't I think of if you have a top five and then you do like one or two extra, what's honorable the mention? Honorable mention. Good God. Devil's pass. <laughs> it's a fictitious story. That's, partially a found footage movie about the Dyatlov Pass. So check it and out. And the Dyatlov Pass is a topic that I am utterly fascinated with. Uh, oh, uh, uh, and you've never seen that movie? No, I haven't. Dave Z of uh, the Exploding Heads, he told me to check it out. Yep. I have not seen it yet, but um, I'm going to be talking about Dyatlov Pass one day. One, okay. one, one of these days, yeah. Love that I shit. I would say check it out, man. So, okay, number three for me is Krampus. Love it. We covered it on the show. I don't know. Go back and listen. You'll know how much I love that movie. It's great. It's probably one of my favorite just silly winter horror movies there is. Just because, I mean, the acting in it is great. Um, a movie like that you'd think shouldn't work on paper, but – it's, I love it. It's, 
for, for a movie that takes place in one little setting in like a living room, kind of main part of a house for the most part, and in like a little part of the street, it, it makes you feel, it, it, let's just say, I, I don't know. Well, yeah, we, it's can got, do, we can do spoilers since we've already talked about it, but yeah. It's I mean, got Home Alone vibes. It does. It does. I would just say that, yeah, it's, it's hard to put it in a genre because yeah, yeah, it's, it's a siege narrative. Uh, it's a home invasion narrative. It's a comedy. It's a horror. It, it's, it's no holds barred. It really, you, it doesn't, it doesn't hold anything back. Let's just say that with who's getting killed and who's not. And mm-hmm. I love it. I very love it's it. It's very, very much also in the spirit of, I would say gremlins. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It, I would say, yeah, it's, it's a mix of like gremlins home alone and um you're oh, next no. <laughs> what's that i said you're next but no i was just joking well yeah i was actually thinking of like because it, it is pretty brutal too i mean it's not yeah, yeah it, it is it is a pretty brutal scary-ish kind of movie but no that that movie i've already decided i'll be watching either probably around you know christmas eve christmas night something like that i'll be popping that on so should watch it for krampus night or however they say it Night? Is, you know how many fucking Krampus movies there are out there? It's ridiculous. No, no, no. It is that is the night of Krampus. That is, it's uh, it takes place in early December. I want to say it's the fourth or fifth or something like that. Oh, no kidding. Did not. Yeah, that's that. supposedly when he goes around and he kidnaps all the children and fucking kills them and shit. Yeah. yeah be, spoilers for what good, Krampus kid. does. Better be good. <laughs> he better be fucking good. Um, my next one is uh, this is your number two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so say number two, but it th- I cheated a little bit. I cheated and come at me, bro. But my my second is a is a mini series called Storm of the Century. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. This I've loved since I was a kid. This is the second Stephen King title in my list, by the way. The first was The Shining. Yeah. Um. So this this was penned by Stephen King, and it takes place on an island in the Northeast. Uh, right off the coast, probably of Maine. I don't know, but probably. And they get they get struck by a a, a crippling blizzard that just sends the town into utter devastation. There's no communication. They can't leave, and all the townsfolk are trapped there with this stranger, who uh, he's there for nefarious reasons. There's something that he wants, but he won't quite say. He's alluding to it. And finally, when it's revealed what it is he wants and how the town has to, has to go about like giving it to him, because they're going to have to give it to him. He's not going away. I'm not going to spoil who he is, <clears throat> Angel Heart. I'm not going to spoil what he wants. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil that one. But yeah, if you haven't seen Storm of the Century, you need to seek it out. I don't know where you can find it. It's from 1999, I believe. But it's, I'm sure it's out there. I have seen it. It's really good, man. Yeah, I'll check it out. Sure. You'd recognize a lot of actors in it from being in other Stephen King things. It's one of those. It might it might even be directed by Mick Garris, maybe. I don't know. Okay. He's famous for doing some Stephen King miniseries. Sure. Groovy. Number two is 30 Days of Night. So you could probably see there's a little theme here to what's going on because that is another movie that we covered on here. My favorite and I'm going to say the best uh, horror movie revo- involving vampires. 
obviously I'm biased because it's vampires in the winter and snow, but I remember watching this. This was right when I was getting back into horror um, in college. And I remember watching it with my college buddies and we were, we were both my one buddy. That's a huge horror fan. Just surprising how, I mean, they're the middle part of the movie. Usually movies are going to have a strong first act. And if they're good, they're going to have a strong third act. But there's not a lot of movies that have a second act, you know, that is on the same level as the first and third. In my opinion, Uh I think the second act is one of the stronger parts of this movie because that's where you you got your initial setup. You have your initial people killed off. And then you've got that middle part of the movie, the lull, where you've just got your survivors and you see – you know, the, I'm going to give spoilers again because we covered this already, but when it really hit me was when you go to that deputy's house and he's in there alive and he basically killed his wife and two kids. Um, and then like the gun jammed or he ran out of bullets or something and he was just living in the house by himself. I mean, that right there is one of those scenes that's kind of on par with, you know, the ending of the mist, for example, where it's just a gut punch. Um, and that's, that's in the middle of the movie and you get that. And then, you know, that scene with him trying to survive and they're crawling into the houses. And I just, I love it. This is one of those movies that every second you're glued to the screen. Um, and it's almost too actiony, I'll say, um, for my taste. I mean, I love action movies, but you know, don't, don't mix action with, you know, a horror movie that's relying on dread and atmosphere and tension kind of thing. So I think it walks that line pretty closely, but uh, 30 days of night, my favorite vampire movie. I love it in the winter. Part of it is just phenomenal. Oh yeah, man. Well, I've never seen it. So I have no idea. You've never Don't seen worry. it. Don't worry. I'm not going to remember that spoiler. Oh. Trust me. Um, I'll I see it. I'll see- believe that. I'll I'll give an honorable mention for a good vampire film set in the wintertime. Okay. Twilight, the second one or whatever it's called. No, I'm just kidding. Let, let Me In, the let remake in. of let, yep. let the Right One In. I, I've never seen the original, uh, I know, for shame. But I did see the, the American remake, and I thought it yep. was awesome. Um, yeah. But my air quotes, number one, and the third Stephen King title in my list, Misery. Yeah, I yeah, man. See, yeah. Um, Kathy Bates, holy shit! Come on, <laughs> yeah. That 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 performance is legendary. Her character Annie Wilkes is legendary, and and it's so whole- fitting this time of year too because you keep seeing that meme around that says, uh, "Baby, it's cold outside" or whatever, and it's Annie Wilkes and, <laughs> and Michael. Yeah. And, yeah, those. It's yeah. So that that movie right there, um, it, it starts off, and, and that's that's the whole reason uh, you you even get a story going is because the winter is so bad up where Paul Sheldon, the the, the writer, is at, played by James Caan. He he's uh he's heading back from this hotel after writing his newest novel, and he goes off the road or whatever, and he gets found by uh, God damn how how the hell does this happen? His biggest fan, right. That just happens to be a nurse and is crazy. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much because 
this is one of those films that I think people need to see before they really can grasp what it's about. Yeah. I don't want to go into any, any other plot details. Just know that this writer meets his biggest crazy fan and, and she rescues him from, from near death. And it's a Stephen King story. Okay. Just anyone who hasn't seen it, 1990 misery, Kathy fucking Bates. <laughs> yes. Okay. My first one, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this for two reasons, because I cheated and because we talked about both the movies already. Uh, it is a tie between the shining and the thing for obvious oh. reasons. Oh shit. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, obviously I, I, I don't think there's any person out there that you can pull. That's like, Hey, name me a horror movie that sets that's takes place in the winter time. These are going to be your top two picks and for good reason. Yeah. It just so happens to be, you know what? I just realized, I think I, I think I came onto something. Arguably, some of the two most popular horror movies of all time are The Shining and The Thing, and they both take place in winter. So um, I'm just saying, you know, Ari Aster and, and Michael Eggers, if you're, or Robert Eggers, if you're listening to this, you need to make a winter horror movie. So, <laughs> Hey, man, but, the, the, Nor- the Northman might have a winter setting. We don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I saw they just wrapped shooting on that. Well, yeah, he, here's some late horror, yeah. horror happenings right here. Yeah, yeah. the they fucking Northman is shot. Happened. Yeah, they just wrapped it up like two or three days ago. So, yeah, yeah you know, there, there could be. Oh, you know what? Another honorable mention. If you if you threw in a TV kind of series thing, I'm gonna throw in Game of Thrones. There's some phenomenal. Some of the best episodes are winter episodes in that. You've never seen Game of Thrones, have you? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those odd ducks that loves the entire show. Oh, I do too. It's, it's fantastic. And you know what's yeah. funny is Drunk Darius fucking hates it. And he's only seen like two or three episodes. I'm like, you, you can't tell me that you don't like it. But anyways, I digress. No, The Shining. We talked a little bit about The Shining last week um, as well. I mean, obviously, I put that on. That was my first or not. Yeah, it was our last episode even though we recorded that a while ago, that was my first kind of experience with winter this year. Uh, Cause I was way up North. Um, and then the thing, I mean, yeah, that, that, like you said before, I mean, the movie literally takes place in Antarctica. Um, the summer of Antarctica <laughs> is more winter than it is in winter around here. So yep. um, both great movies, both just dripping in, or I should say frozen icicles in that winter atmosphere and themes. So, um anything you want to add any honorable mentions or anything before we get into our first feature uh no no more honorable mentions for me but i i do agree with you though the winter setting it just it bleeds horror man i think i mean it's like it's like black metal black metal from norway that that shit is all about being in the frozen wilderness in the fucking arctic level cold lifestyle and and that kind of hard shit breeds that kind of hard ass nihilistic music it's just yeah. i don't know yeah horror and winter go together like horror and metal it's fucking awesome yeah and that's one thing we could touch on too because i mean if if, if you think about summer in warm weather people are going to think about laying on a fucking beach with a beer in their hand if you talk about winter and cold people are going to in their head be thinking about 
lots of snow and a blizzard, which is just dreary and, 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 you know, like you said, it is almost scary. So it, it, it goes together like peanut butter and jelly or like Uh peanut butter, Oreo, uh, Porter beer. So what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard at no point in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) But, all right, well, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to cover Angel Heart. Mr. Angel? My client, Monsieur Louis Sattor. Do you by chance remember the name Johnny Favorite? My interest is only in finding out if he's alive or if he's dead. You want me to check it out? A private detective paid to snoop around. He's dead, Mr. Angel. Well, you know what they say about slugs. They always leave slime in their tracks. Are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm a murder suspect already in two cases. Did you kill him? No, but the cops might think I did. The Prince of Darkness protects the powerful. The egg is the symbol of the soul. Did you know that? It's funny, I have a feeling I've met you before. Okay, Angel Heart, 1987. Unrated. 113 minutes. Guess what this got on the B? Uh, this film? Say like a 6.2. 7.3. Damn. Yeah. Uh, what about Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I would also say maybe, well, fuck it, I'll go up there. The, uh, 73%. 81 Okay, fuck. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead, Angel Heart. That was, for the most part, up until recently, I didn't really know about this movie. I didn't know anything about it. It kind of was under the radar for me. I I only knew about the egg scene. That's all I knew. The egg scene? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to elaborate on that more uh, when the time comes. Yep. Budget-wise, guess. Uh, This this movie, 87. 87. I'm going to go with somewhere around 10 million. 17 million. Okay. What do you think this uh, grossed theatrically? Mm, it had De Niro and Rorick in it. This movie isn't talked about a lot, though, so it's almost like it would have been a bomb, and that's probably why it's not popular. I'm going to just say 30 something million dollars. 14.4. Oof. Yeah, so it did yeah. bomb then. Yep. Yep. This is directed by Alan Parker. He is, I would say, most notable for his music videos. But he's, he's got a lot of unrecognizable older stuff. However, the one movie I did recognize was the last movie he directed. 
which is The Life of David Gale, which I forgot that movie. And it's a really good movie. Kevin Spacey, um, I believe it's based off of a true story. Have you seen that? No, it's I have horror, not. But it's, it's pretty legit. Uh, good movie. This is based on a book, uh, but the screenplay was, was written by Alan Parker. Uh, as we just talked about, it stars Mickey Rourke. Not really a horror actor, but he was in recently Nightmare Cinema, which came out, I think, a year or two ago. Uh, Robert De Niro, obviously, has a friend of the show. We talked about him previously. He was in Cape Fear. And also starring Lisa Bonet, which there will be some fun chats about her throughout the movie and when we get into trivia. But she is most notable for... Um, the Cosby show. So she played one of the daughters or whatever. And then lastly, very, very small role, but scrolling through the actors, I wrote them down. Pruitt Taylor Vince. Did you even recognize him in here? Probably not. No. Most of you probably didn't. You know who Pruitt Taylor Vince is, right? No. Uh, the big guy in Devil's Candy that plays the guitar. Never, <clears throat> never seen Devil's Candy. Oh my God! You gotta watch that. I need to come up with a list, a, a, a short <laughs> list for Tibu. Watch these movies. What about Identity? Oh yeah, I've seen it. Oh, he's. I know who he is. Then yes, yeah. He's the guy at the end. Yes, yep, yeah. He's the big guy. Yep. He plays Otis I know, I, on Walking Dead. Uh huh. Oh yep. yep, yep. I know that. So he was one of the two detectives. So he was the the second detective if you will not the main one mm -hmm. almost on right he had hair back then and was skinny anything you want to chime in before i get into oh. the trivia portion yeah this is some unknown trivia um this movie actually had a sequel but it was oh. more in yeah yeah it, it they they took a lot of liberties with the story it, it was set way before this but um it's got sean connery in it sequels um, yeah, it's called Dragonheart. Oh, I saw Dragonheart. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> okay. I'm like, that's the dragon one. Nice try. Yes, I, yes I'm the devil. Yes, I'm a dragon devil. Skinner shite, Miss Moneypenny. <laughs> no, man. I'm, I'm just shitting you. Yes. So let's get into this motherfucker. The okay. setting is... Oh, do, or did you have more? Oh, I got I got some trivia. We'll ch chat about. Oh, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Everyone, ignore my fake trivia. That's me just being a bullshitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Alan Parker was. I would say he was lucky. I mean, thinking back, even though De Niro had a relatively small role in this overall, for him to get De Niro, and even though Rick Mickey Rourke was at the I would say the closer to the first third of his career it, it, it's kind of surprising he pulled talent like that you know De Niro Rourke and even that Lisa Bonet but anyway think, he, go ahead well I was gonna say I think I think De Niro probably liked the story because yeah. yeah I mean if his budget was only what you said 17 million yeah. but that's, you that's still a pretty healthy budget especially for a horror movie and but, to Keep going. The, lo the locations, though, man. Right. Yeah, that's going to be a big part of it because, yeah, part of it's shot in New York, part of it's shot in Louisiana. 
New Orleans. Or yeah, New, New, New Orleans. New Orleans. Um, I also want to touch on real quick. This is. Excuse me, I got the beer burps already. You burp God, God help me if I get the hiccups like I usually do at the end of this. <laughs> um, okay, I, I, I really wanted to touch quickly on the fact that if you look up, so IMDb is like my Bible. Every single movie I watch, I go on IMDb just to check out actors, directors, writers, you know, all that kind of stuff on there. The very first genre listed on this is horror. And I was a little surprised watching this because this is a lot less horror than I was expecting. I, I, I would put this in the same realm of horror as probably like seven uh, silence of the lambs, like Zodiac. I mean, it's, it's, it's re more realistically a police procedural. And I think besides some of the, I don't even want to say gore, but some of the kills and whatnot, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's kind of a lightweight in that respect, but chime in well, if you want to say anything, but yeah. Yeah. I got a, I got a noir feeling from it because of, uh, yep. well, him, him being a, a PI and all, which, yep. you know, we're going to get into that. I, I agree. I was watching the film and there are some moments where you can tell that the film is definitely skewing horror, but for the most part, it's played up like a noir. It's, 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 yep. it's a mystery. This guy's, you know, snooping around and, you kind of lose yourself more in the in, in in the mystery and in the drama, and when those horror moments come up, it's like, oh shit, oh yeah, okay. Once the movie gets into its, I mean, I don't know if it's a second half uh, based on how long the film is, but it feels like the second half is New Orleans. So once it goes yeah, there, it does. and the things that happen there, I felt like, and I'm I'm from here, I'm from I'm from from there, so you know, not from New Orleans specifically, but. I'm a Cajun. I know Cajun culture. What you saw was, was in this film, what we're going to get into is some is voodoo, which is not necessarily Cajun, but it's so closely associated with this area that you just pick up things. And it, it actually kind of is in Cajun culture. You have Gris Gris, you've got the Fifoule and, and, and Treteurs, different things like that. And some of that's tied into yeah. uh, uh, the voodoo religion. So I, I just, I kind of got a hard on, <laughs> just oh, yeah. just to say just to say a little bit how many, and, and man, how many movies now are we watching where they're either being filmed or taking place in your neck of the woods well we had the blob what else yeah this one the blob maybe it's just two but still still yeah hey it's pretty cool was this shot on location in louisiana it sure it sure looked like it in some scenes i'll say i think it, it looked was, like it was yeah. it, it it definitely looked like parts i've driven through but yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to like uh, take any oh, thunder. Oh yes, I did I, because I, I saw another trivia thing that was like if you if you or one of the goofs or whatever was like you can see like modern because this takes place in in 1955, but you can mm -hmm. see modern stoplights at one Louisiana town or something. Oh, okay, cool. No, um, yeah, but all that to say, yes, I agree that it, it, I would put it in the exact same class of film as you said. It's seven silence. Uh, Zodiac, same same type of film. Yep. If you want, if you want, you know, your horror to be a little spiced in throughout the film, then this is the perfect gumbo for you. That's right. That's right. Okay. One of my favorite things. Okay. So yeah. Anyways, back to I was, I was talking a little bit about Parker and the director and, and De Niro. Is uh, he was basically 
in an interview talking about how he's almost more of a fan of De Niro. De Niro read the script and he started doing his first take or first shot. And this wasn't shot in sequence, if you will. And they didn't say which film or which scene they're talking about, but Parker said that after the first take, he gave De Niro no direction and said, you've got a better grasp on your character than I do. De Niro shot all of his scenes and takes with his own, I guess, vision of where he's taking that. And, and I thought De Niro was great in it too. Um, I mean, again, he really is, wasn't in this that much. I mean, he's only in what three or four scenes all in all. He's, he's, for what the runtime is, he's sprinkled in enough. I noticed during the title credit, it said with special appearance by Robert De Niro. So I assumed, excuse me, I assumed that meant he would be in one scene. And since I only knew about the aforementioned egg scene, I thought, okay, that's, that's what he's in. But I got to say he was in it way more than I thought he would be. You're right. He's not a big player in the overall story um, throughout, but like I the think horror, it really was they only, spiced it up. Yeah, I think it really was only like three scenes. It was the intro scene, the egg scene, and then he met him at the cafe, which might have been the same as the egg scene, and then one at the end. So yeah, like uh, three there, scenes total. I think. There's, a, there's a few more. Is there? Okay. Yep. He also um, meets him in church, and he, he also meets him. Oh, um, yep, church, yep. Yeah, there's a few. Okay, so yeah, and he was he was Parker was on record saying he is legitimately creeped out by De Niro's performance. The one thing I didn't get with this movie was was the the scare factor. It didn't seem scary to me or creepy. Um, what about you? I mean, did this scare? Like I, it, it's <laughs> funny. I don't know if I said this on the show or not, but my kids are young enough where I always picture if my kids were watching this, would they be scared? I don't think outside of like the gore or kill scenes, I don't think like the score wasn't overly scary. I don't, I just didn't come off as, as a scary movie to me. What say you? Um, sc- no, I mean, dude, no, nah, scary. No. Um, foreboding when, when De Niro yeah. is, is on screen, he's a little off putting and for, foreboding with like what he wants and what his intentions are for, you know, what, he, what his motives are for, contacting Mickey Rourke's character to begin with. Um, and then when what plays, what plays out in the film, it starts to make you like, holy shit, what, it, what does this guy want? And by the time you get to the end of it, I, I don't like that. That's the unnerving. There's an unnerving factor. And yes, you know, that's we're, a good way to put it because yeah, we're about to get into it. Minor spoilers. Fucking your daughter. Scary. I don't know. That's just how oh, I feel God. about it. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oops, the air horns (laughs) (laughs) Uh, next up i've been waiting to talk about this scene lisa bonet so she you have to imagine she grew up on that show as a little girl into a teenager i don't even know how many years she was on that show she started this movie when she was relatively young i think what 19 or 20 years old what show cosby show yeah, on the Cosby Show and this movie, she ended up uh, getting fired from the Cosby Show because of her nude scenes on this movie. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah, I know, right? Well, she probably made plenty of money off the Cosby Show, and I don't know what she's done lately. But yeah, there's obviously she she does pretty good. She there's some you, you can imagine it, it'd be no different than 
like us growing up with, you know, because I think the Cosby Show was a little bit before our time, but that'd be us growing up with uh, Full House and, you know, having, you know, one of the girls from Full House starring in a movie and doing some, you know, sexy, I grew up, sexy time. I grew up watching that 70s show and All in the Family at okay. the same time. <laughs> which all, all in the family was a rerun on nick at night but i love right. that shit dude. yeah I, I watched i actually did watch um some a little bit of cosby show and i didn't like it, it I, the humor didn't jive with me bill cosby and i'm not saying this because of who he is i'm being honest his comedy never got me like i or i never got it rather he never no, made me neither. laugh i never thought he was funny i never enjoyed him no. as a performer uh, the fact that he turned out to be who you know what he was is is, is sad at, right. at the end of it all but also like has nothing to do with i just never dug it so i didn't know her as a as an actress at all except for this movie that that's that's oh, all really? i've known i mean i've yeah. seen enough of the cosby show to know who she is but i can imagine people at the time being like oh my god like you know you can't be nude in yeah. this movie but i can drug women and Make I got a, I got a few other nuggets, <laughs> but I'm going to save those for when we get to that point in the movie. So why don't you go ahead and start us off? Oh, okay. Yeah, let's get into this. The setting is a post-World War II New York City. The year is 1955, and this is, this is when you get the, the opening with the cats on the on – the, the, what do you call that? Like not a lattice. That's the firewater or the they're, – they're on the – the fire escape steps, the right? fire escapes yeah yeah and they're looking out at this this figure that's walking through an alleyway and i i think at this point there's snow on the ground isn't there yeah yeah oh yeah it's kind of that melty new york city snow because the yep. streets are hot and shit like that but it, it it dude it opens with an atmosphere and there's this cool saxophone playing that gives you that nighttime vibe like from that opening scene i was like hooked like oh shit this yep. isn't kind of really what i was expecting yeah and it turns out the figure that's walking through is uh, Harry Angel or Harold Angel. He's a private investigator. And Mickey Rourke, is, he's got a trench coat, and he's walking around, dude. And I'm just like, I picture Tom Waits in this role. I just, oh, shit, what the hell happened? I missed the garbage. <laughs> oh, you're tossing cans around. Tossing cans around. You know, you know who Tom Waits is, right? Yeah, he was in. Yeah, he's a singer, I think, but he was in um, that really shitty Bill Murray zombie movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's been in other films as well. Coffee and cigarettes. He was recently in Bust. I'm not a Darmus dude at all, but I know. Yeah, I I have to check that out. But oh, okay. I picture. I don't know. I just got a vibe like he would be able to play the character. But Mickey Rourke, man, he does a great job from 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 scene one. Um sold on his character he's this brooklyn private investigator you could tell he kind of just does like little stuff like like uh he even says so himself because he, he summoned right at the beginning of the film to go and meet this guy monsieur monsieur how he says that i'm i'm fucking cajun i should know how to say this right uh, uh louis cypher yeah, but he says Monsieur or some shit. Oh. It means sir, Mister or some crap in French. Yeah, yeah Louis Cipher. <laughs> no, we'll just call him Cipher. All right, we're not gonna try to French it up in here. He, he he's he's summoned by Cipher, played by Robert De Niro, and this guy looks like uh, Calvin Candy from Django Unchained. 
Does he not? <laughs> yeah. He's got like the slick back hair, but the goatee and shit. He's got these sharp fingernails. I think he's doesn't he always have a cane? He's yeah. got a cane. Yep, yeah. he's got a cane. He just he's bleeding evil, man. And then his performance, the way he speaks, he's still De Niro. You could tell he's yep. got that De Niro that yep. swag De Niro has, but he's it's more I don't know, it's he's calm, he's collected, and he's telling Harry Angel, I need you to find this guy, Johnny Favorite. He Johnny Favorite was a famous singer. I think this was pre uh, pre World War II, and he got drafted to war. So like at the height of his or as his career was building up, and he went out to fight wherever the fuck, and got injured very bad. Like his face got fucked up, and he had some neurological damage. So there was turns out there was this deal he had made with Cipher. And his end of the bargain has not been held up because he's been in a hospital upstate for like, I don't know. Well, yeah, since, since World War II. So yeah. it's been 10 years. 10 years, yeah. Yeah, he needs Harry to go ahead and investigate. Like, hey, I just want to know, is he alive or is he dead? Straight up. What, what, kind of, what kind of vibes are you getting off De Niro, though, at this point? I know you said he was good, but does he, does he like – exude the same type of stuff I'm, I'm saying like just like a cool calm yeah darkness. yeah like very very cool and confident kind of thing and just the way he was sitting too he was sitting in almost like uh well he was up on a pedestal you know he was mm -hmm. on a platform and he's in this fancy like throne type chair so you know he's expecting respect and you know he's he's He's, he's speaking from a point of authority. Yeah, man. He, and it's almost like <laughs> at, while I'm watching the film, I'm thinking to myself, you just so happen to be the pawn that got caught in this dude's web. Like I could tell this guy's a big shot and what, what he's after is something that, you know, whatever. He's just picking this guy to go and do the footwork, the legwork, yep. figure it out. So he and he's got his lawyer, which which Cipher will will reference his lawyer a few times in the film. He he, everything gets done through his fucking lawyer. So he's he's embedded in shit. Harry goes to this hospital upstate where supposedly Johnny Favorite or his real name is John Liebling or Liebling. 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 Yeah. Yep. Th this is this is where he's been receiving treatment for his shell shock. That's what they used to call post traumatic stress people. Shell shock. Oh, he's just got shell shock. Let's lobotomize him and fucking, you know? Yeah. Dude, they used, they used to give people lobotomies, man. They would stick a That's fucking... Crazy. In your brain. A snipper. They'd squeeze it in right above your eyeball, kind of pop the eyeball out a little bit, go in there and just snip, snip, snip. Doesn't matter what it is. It would just look like fucking Ooh. mashed potatoes in there afterwards. But anyway... um. <laughs> Harry goes to this hospital and uh, he discovers that the records showing favorites transfer because they, they told him, hey, he's been transferred out of here. They were falsified by a physician named Albert Fowler. And it, it's at this point in the film, you really get a, a good sense that Angel knows what he's doing. He's not he's not just some two bit private investigator. He actually is good at his job. Uh, Fowler comes home. And this motherfucker is sitting in there, dude, in the yeah, dark. Yeah, it was like a creepy, like, yeah, I'm trying to think of, 
uh, what movie that reminded me of. Well, I mean, it's, it's just like classic. your standard like Jason Bourne movie where the guy comes home and the assassin's sitting in the dark corner of the room kind of thing. Yeah, that 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 type of yeah, exactly. That thing that that's been I think that's been in film for a long time where yep. Yep. you just got that person comes in in the middle of the night and the light comes on and boom. Well, the light didn't come on yet. Homeboy reached into the fridge and he was trying to get his his opioids. Angel kind of rummaged. Yep, morphine. His morphine. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that trying. Was, yeah, for those of you that don't know, that was. I mean, heroin. Heroin was basically designed to help kick morphine morphine addiction. I mean, that was that was uh, Morpheus addiction. Run, what's that? <laughs> Morpheus addiction. Yeah, Morpheus morphine addiction. Yeah, that was your run of the run of the mill. I mean, that was no different than any other recreational drug that we have today. So, yeah, that was a big deal back then. You know, your morphine addictions. Morphine's a hell of a drug. Morphine. So he's reaching in there for that, and uh, Angel had already kind of like cased the place, and he found that, and he's like, you know, you're not you're not gonna get that until you answer my questions. I want to know about Johnny Favorite. I want to know where he's at. I want to know what happened. Why'd you falsify these transfers? And it turns out that Fowler had him uh, had 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 this falsified by a man and a woman, so that the two could uh, take. They could take him. It's like, okay, where to? Angel is like, you know, I, I don't think you're telling me the fucking truth. You're going to go cold turkey, sleep this shit off. And he locks him in his room. And there's the, the, this is the first time you see that fan or the shadow of the yeah. fan, the silhouette of the fan. And yeah, it's like spinning. A, yeah. It's spinning and then it stops. And then it starts spinning counterclockwise. I, I don't know. I don't know to this moment what the significance of this fan means in this I do film know. you I do, do? Yep. okay i want i want you to tell me about that later because i okay. I, I it's lost on, i i know it's something this is the first time watch for me everybody me um, yep. yep you too okay yep. so forgive me if i don't know quotes and i might miss some things because I, I took notes but they might be spotty but uh first time watch so i don't know this like the back of my hand but i do know the fan is a symbol i want to hear about that um, so he's going to force him to like withdraw. Maybe, maybe that'll make him confess so he can get his morphine back. And, um, he's like, I'm going to step out for a cheeseburger and maybe you'll remember when I get back. You know, he's got, he's got the fucking Brooklyn York, thing, the whole yeah, movie. New York, yeah. He says it all the time. Hey, I'm from Brooklyn, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next morning he goes back and he goes to unlock the door and he finds Fowler has killed himself. Apparently, is what it looks like. Yeah, like a suicide. This causes Angel to freak the fuck out. Like, holy shit, what the hell is going on here? He starts like dusting the place for fingerprints, right? Like, like trying to, or not dusting it, rather wiping. Clean. Yeah, like he's just back backtracking everything he touched, everything, wiping his fingerprints off. Yeah, I want to say this is the first scene in the film that led me to some confusion later. Because at, at this point, I knew the film was set in the 50s. We had gotten so far along into the story, and we're not that far from the 70s. We're only 15 years from 1970 at this point that I kind of forgot the setting. And when he's dusting for prints, I'm like, yeah, man, that's smart. Make sure because you didn't kill the guy, so you don't want cops to find you. But later in the film, I'm like, well, he's not doing the same thing anymore. And, oh, yeah, it's the 50s. They're not going to have that kind of evidence yet. 
Fingerprint? So is him? Yeah, right. Like they didn't start coming up with that shit until like the seventies and whatnot, uh, didn't they? Or is that more in the psychological realm of, of figuring out criminals? Yeah, I, I, I think they were dusting for fingerprints a long time ago. Okay, well then, then there's a plot hole in this movie because this motherfucker ain't dusting later. Or he ain't wiping away later when he should have been. Or they're not showing you. Well, maybe they're not, but... I mean, oh, it I might think be sometimes... one of those things where they just show you the first time and you're led to believe and expect that he does it each time. It could be. I'd have to watch it again to... Otherwise, you know... it'd become redundant, but... <laughs> He's always wiping them prints. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so he, he he meets Cypher at... I forget. Oh, yeah, this this is this is the egg scene. This is this is it. This is at that cafe or whatever. Yeah. Um, Angel Angel tries to break his contract with with Cipher. Um, he doesn't he doesn't want to continue down this road. We've got a dead body, and while while they're talking about this, Cipher is holding a uh, boiled egg, and he's talking about. Uh, he kind of alludes to this, and I'm again I'm not sure why. I don't know what, what he's trying to say with this, but he alludes to some religions, early religions, believing that the egg was the symbol for the soul. Yep. Is that what he says? Yeah. And he's he's doing this thing where he, he, he rolls it on the plate to crack it, and then he peels it ever so perfectly, like a spiral, all the way around the, the white of the egg. And he takes a bite with his fucking sharp fingernails, dude. And that's the scene. That's the part of the scene where I just get kind of skeeved out. I'm like, I don't know why the salt and shit like that sprinkling. I, something about it just unnerves me. And it's, I don't know. Maybe it's just De Niro. His, the way he's performing, the things he's saying. Why it's is he saying It's a very intentional this? bite. Yeah. For that egg too, you know. It's I mean, more, it's like. People don't eat an egg like that. It's like biting off more than you can chew. And this is right after uh, he offers him $5,000. He offers Angel $5,000. I'll have my lawyer, you know, and yeah. I want you to go figure out more. Figure out where this motherfucker is. Keep going down the rabbit hole. This is where my notes get spotty, okay? So what well, so exactly – Back to this uh, egg scene because that was one of my I, – I really like that scene. And what I liked about this movie most probably are the moments and scenes. This movie is, is, is chock full of foreshadowing. And there is a couple huge ones in here right now. So we're going to go ahead and just spoil it already. So if you haven't seen it, maybe stop listening now and watch it. But there's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. Unfortunately, I went into this movie knowing that Robert De Niro's character was the devil. That kind of pisses me off, but I'd be curious. Did, going in, did you know that he was a devil in this movie? I had an idea that he was the okay. devil, and I, and I don't know where I got that from, but, but I wasn't sure. And especially when the movie started, I kind of no. – I didn't really feel like he was the devil at first because they kind of introduce him as this guy that – you know, he, he, I don't know, his name. Cypher, the name Cypher kind of threw me a little bit. I was like – Mm, that's that's odd right um but yeah it, it was still like when when it when it happens and and yeah go ahead keep, keep going i, I would just be say. curious someone who's the first time watching that's never heard this before when they put things together and we're like oh okay because there's a lot of foreshadowing first off like you said his name lewis cypher you say that fast lucifer yeah. 
So mm-hmm. that's one there. The egg scene, that whole thing with the egg. He's the he serpent. talks about it as representation of a soul. And he does that really aggressive bite, you know, and he's consuming your soul. Basically you make a deal with the devil. He's consuming your soul. So it's that's a la- it's, symbolism. It's a, la- it's a layered scene. When you, when you, if like, let's say you weren't onto it with the Lewis cipher, yep. Lucifer, let's say you didn't know he was the devil. That's a layered scene because he just convinced him to, to get back on with him and bit off more than he could chew. And yep. he is also the serpent consuming the soul of the man. Yeah. Yep. He's the fucking devil, man. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. And to take it one step further, the salt, Mickey Rourke, or, or Angel grabs the salt, throws it over his left shoulder. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know the whole thing about throwing salt over your left shoulder, salt is an integral part against, you know, humans battle against, you know, demons, for example. It, it keeps the demons out. So Sprinkle it around your bread, uh, bed, yep. sprinkle it in front of yep. your doorway. So the whole thing about throwing salt, because if you think about you've got your good angel and bad angel, you've got the devil and the water. So the devil is supposed to sit over your left shoulder and a gator and you take that salt you throw it over your left shoulder to you know quench the devil's thirst kind of thing so yeah there's a lot going on in that scene in that five minute scene with with de niro there's there's a lot going on in there so anyways carry on well that's what i was going to say this is where my notes get a little spotty um how did he figure out that he needed to go to louisiana I don't, I don't remember, and I didn't clearly write anything down for it. He went down to – okay, so he's following his leads. The first lead was the doctor. Uh, the second lead was the lady and – Okay, 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 I got it. So, yeah, the first lead, yeah, it, that was the uh, fiancé, Margaret Krausmark, yep. who was a, a – um, a psychic and yes. and he he went he went he went down down the shore or maybe to long island he went somewhere where he uh she used to set up near the beach and and would you know read palms and do the tarot card or whatever the fuck psychics do i've actually had my i've done that um in in new orleans cool experience um mm-hmm. you can see you can see through some things and some things that that they deduce you're like wow you know how to read people motherfucker or maybe it's real who knows <laughs> um he goes there and he's inquiring about her and some lady who's walking off into the ocean is like oh yeah she talked about johnny you want to hear one of his songs and she's singing this old crooner song in the fucking like hip deep in, the in this ocean, ocean water in the yeah what the Dude, fuck her, Lake her husband's a car too in july is so cold you can barely stand it i can't imagine that ocean in the winter time no shit, dude. Yeah, the Atlantic is unforgiving. But her, her, her husband's a card. Uh, he, give, he gives Angel a nose guard, which he wears throughout the film. And no. this is one of the things I, I, I want to do. I want to I talk about, about this. Like little symbols in films that make a film stand out that could be used later as symbology for said film. So the, the glasses with the nose guard. Yeah is angel heart. Yep. It is. It's like you, you could yeah. use that or the egg and the salt could be oh. also like a little symbol. I don't know. I, I think that's, that's like a fun little thing that some films have 
Yeah. Some films don't. They, 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 they don't have those memorable little things. But the husband gives him this nose guard, and he's like, what, what am I going to do with this? And, and he, sa- he says it, it blocks the – what does he say? Like, it, well, at least it'll block the wind or something like that. I, I don't remember. But, but, but Angel's like, I'll, I'll, I'll need this later. So he brings it to fucking Louisiana with him. He, he's going down there to find uh, Margaret Krausmark to, to figure out more about J- uh, Johnny Favorite. Yep. And he sets a, he sets up a meeting with her as a uh, you know a real client. He doesn't give away who he is. He goes in there and he tells her his birthday, which I believe was February fourteenth. Yeah, Valentine's Day, which was Johnny Favorite's birthday. Right. Yep. Yep. And he he's kind of leading or alluding to Johnny. He keep, he keeps wanting to kind of find out. A little bit more, and he he says things in such a way that's like, oh, who? Why would someone leave you and stuff like that? Like, kind of, kind of. I don't know if that's gaslighting, but like, just trying to get her to open up about him. You know, he finally reveals himself to her, and she promptly wants him to leave. Like, okay, yeah. you're a, you're a, you're a PI. You're snooping around. This is fucked up. She has a line that's that's whether or not Johnny is dead, he's dead to me. Right. Yep. I think I just okay. Are we spoiling everything? Yeah, at this point, we're doing it. Everything. Yes. Yep. Oh man, I'm gonna try to remember this for later. If I don't, I'm gonna be mad. But I don't want to spoil this yet because we haven't. So let me just keep going. Okay. Um, he finds out that um, Johnny Favorite was having a a an affair with another woman named Evangeline Proudfoot. And by the way, Evangeline or Evangeline is a is the parish where uh, we, instead of a county in Louisiana, we're the only state in the nation to have parishes, but it's the same thing as a county. I was born in Evangeline Parish. So that, that's another little Cajun boner just happening while I'm watching this movie. Oh, I'm, yeah. like, oh, I'm like, oh shit, it's getting entrenched in it. At this point, he, he goes to New Orleans and he's like, uh, I'm going to figure out what's going on here. No, no, no. He's in New Orleans. He's I'm in New sorry. Orleans. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she kicks him out, and he goes to Evangeline Proudfoot's grave, which is in some. It's got to be some outskirts area of New Orleans. Like yeah, it's, the, it's yeah, it's it's in a poor. Yeah. Well, it depends on what poor is, man. Home is where the heart is, and if you got family, you're rich as can be. And right. it looks like everybody out there loves each other. Well, I, I don't guess know. It's 19, I, I guess it's 1950, so you never know. But just like when I saw her washing her hair outside and that one thing, but yeah, that might have been normal in 1950. So yeah, so he okay. This movie is is it, it it was made in the late 80s. It's set in the 50s. What we're gonna get into now, we're not. We're discussing a movie, guys, and and because some people some people would find what what is portrayed coming up, and I thought this while watching it because of the climate, and right. I you know what you know what I wouldn't have thought of, thought that if not for the climate, I would have just taken right. the movie in and and thought of it as a time and a place, and that's the angle that 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 the movie's coming from a time and a place. Harry goes to this poor part of, of Louisiana. It's on the outskirts of New Orleans. It's, it seems to be a, a, a mostly black community. And he goes out there and he meets at the grave, at the grave site, or I think he follows her from the grave site, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he meets this uh, 
17-year-old girl who has a son. Her name is Epiphany. Yeah, she's wearing her hair, and he goes up to her, and I think he – doesn't he come across pretty straight to her? He tells her, right, like that he is a PI looking for this guy, doesn't he? Uh, I think I – can't, I can't remember for certain. Yeah, because she, she, she tells him about. How does he find out about Toots Sweet, the guitar player? Is it from her? I uh, I don't remember actually. See, I'm sorry. There, there, there's so many storylines going on and leads that he's following, and I just watched this last night too. Oh, and I watched it a little while ago, but I'm sorry, listeners, um, if some of my details are a little messed up right here, but. Basically, Epiphany's mother, Evangeline Proudfoot, had many boyfriends. Johnny Favorite was one of them, but she, she couldn't recall. She, she was reluctant to talk about Johnny Favorite, said she didn't really remember the guy, but she knew about Toots Sweet. Uh, I'm pretty sure he heard about Toots from her, and he goes into town that night, and I love this shit because, dude, look, in small towns in Louisiana or in New Orleans itself, you're walking the street. You can go into a bar and damn near any bar in New Orleans, you can hear some fucking good music, man. And this this band that's on stage, they're kicking ass with some blues music. And I was feeling the vibe. Like I was just like, man, yeah, dude. I'm oh backtrack a little bit. When Angel first arrives in New Orleans, he's gotta take his coat off and he's just sweating. He's oh, been yeah. running around in like a full suit and trench coat this whole movie. And it's like you get you get to fucking Louisiana, dude, it's humid here. Yeah. It could be 70 something degrees outside and you could still be sweating your ass off because of yeah. just, you know, it's the way it is. But, um, so Angel's there at this bar and, um, to sweet, this blues guitar player and singer, he's taking a break and, uh, they meet at the bar. And I love this old man's attitude. That old man's a coon ass, bro. That, that is a straight up Cajun. He ain't got time. He's like, ah, I ain't got time for this. You journalists, just write it up any way you want. Ain't that how you do it anyway? Because Angel poses as a journalist. He's like, I'm just trying to write a story about, I don't know if it's like Delta Blues singers or some shit like that. Toots ain't having none of it. So Angel, who is determined as fuck to get some answers about Johnny Favorite, marches into the bathroom where this old blues singer is trying to whip his dick out and confronts him. Toots goes to leave, and here he sees on the urinal a chicken foot, correct? It's a chicken foot. Yeah, yes. And he freaks out about it. And he even asks him, he's like, what's this about? And he's like, it means I got a big mouth, right? I was going to ask you about the chicken because there's a lot of chicken. There's got to be some kind of metaphor with that chicken. No, that's voodoo shit, dude. Is it? Okay. Because, well, yeah, because, well, Angel, Harry doesn't like chickens at all, whether it's feet or chickens or anything. So I, I yeah. was wondering what the symbolism or metaphor of that is. I don't know if it's metaphorical in the film for him to be afraid of chickens and voodoo having uh, chickens in their, you know, in their lore and in their sacrifices no. and things like that. I, it could just be a, a, a tie-in that the, the writers wanted to make. And also it's funny whenever he's – because, yeah, in the scene before this bar scene, he's talking to Epiphany outside, and he's mentioned, like, I got a thing about chickens. And he's, like, trying to avoid the chickens as he's walking through the yard. He's, like, uh, you know, freaked out by the chickens. Yeah. And um, 
Toots leaves and Harry does again, man. He's, he's, he's a, he's a good PI. He really is. He's hiding out. Toots gets in his car. He's got that old man walk, like my tired old man body forever walk. And he gets in his car and he's driving through the dude, through the swamp and the fog. And I'm like, wow, the atmosphere they're capturing here of driving through Louisiana late at night is kind of really cool. Like how, how they got it. They even got those, those moss trees and it's like, Man, that's awesome how they got that. I got a tree like that in my front yard with that hanging moss. My stepson oh, calls okay. it monster. He calls it monster hair. Nice. Or he did. He did when he was little. Um, he sneaks out here into the and this is a more remote part outside of town. Angel sneaks out here and he follows Toots to this voodoo ceremony and he sees Epiphany there. And they are getting, getting it. Wild. They are they Get are it. unleashed. They are unleashing nature, bro. Like they're feeling the carnal vibes. Her tits are hanging out. It's, Fucking right, dude. She, she's dancing, holding this chicken. Takes this blade, slices it open. Toots is there, like shaking these maracas. They're banging Showering on drums. And blood. There's chicken blood all over her bare breast, and she's humping this guy on the ground. At that point, Angel, who's hiding in the bushes, is like, "Fuck this peace," and he leaves. What you just saw, and this is what I this is what I was alluding to. In in today's climate, people would look they would probably be so mad, like you're you're culturally objectifying or painting a picture or a stereotype, and it's like, no, dude, this is some real shit that would happen. It's just like expression of art. I mean, that's what pisses me off is get the fucking politics out of it. That's yeah, for real. That's all it is. It's an expression of art. It could be a time and a place thing. I don't, dude. There's still places in this world where those types of rituals happen. So yeah, you know, fuck off with it, man. It's part of the story. But um, <laughs> I, I I really love that scene though. I just gotta say. So in the morning, it's early hours. Angel follows Toots back to his apartment building, and this old man again with his just old body. I felt so bad for him. I really did. He's walking up all these flights of stairs. He's out of breath. He gets to his apartment. And this is, this is, I was taken aback. Can you explain to me why Angel was so violent with him? Like he never showed this type of level of, or, or capacity of aggression before. And okay. Yes. So what was the other, th- oh, uh, we were going to talk about, I was going to explain what other thing was I going to, was I going to, the fan, the fan. Okay. So do you want to explain it now or later when it, when it, well, it's cause it, it comes up again and again. Okay. So we'll explain the fan when you bring it up later. But I think what's happening is, is, is each one of these leads he's going to is, so we're going to get, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just get into the fact that we no. need to No. Okay. Okay. We'll wait then. Let's just say that each one of these people, people, each each person he's he's dealing with, and they're, they're, they're he, all tied to Johnny Favorite. Yes, they're all tied to Johnny Favorite, and every person he sees is unlocking something in the back of his head. Okay. So yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm going with this, at least with my theory, is that every time he talks to somebody, some new lead something in the back of his head's, you know, it's like a, like, like a 
one door is getting unlocked and he's finding some things in there. And I think that's kind of what's happening right now. But anyways, yeah, keep going and, and we'll, we'll spoil as we get to the points. Okay. So, yep. Um, at this point, Her- Angel, Harry Angel just like throws this motherfucker through his apartment door. They're tussling around in the apartment. Someone pulls a blade. Right? Yeah, he cut uh, Toots cu- cuts, cuts uh, Angel's cuts hand. hand. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty damn good. But eventually, the younger man gets the advantage of, over the older man, and he he can kind of you know beat him beat him down, and he, he sits down in front of him, and and he he's trying to get information out of him. Um, and and what what he gets, I don't rightly remember. I really don't, and I didn't write it. But Toots tells him something. I think he refers him back to to Margaret, right? To to Krausmark, the lady, the the former fiance. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And and this is this is what's mm-hmm. fucked up because, in it's in the morning. It's, I it's think the it's, day after he went and saw her because all of this takes place in just a matter of a few days. Very tight turnaround with everything going on. Yeah, but it's and it's the following morning. He wakes up and the police are in his hotel room or his rented apartment, whatever he's in, yeah. going through his shit. And you get the just this fat southern racist detective that I'm like And Vincent Taylor or Prue Yeah, Prue Vince Taylor. Yeah, well that's who he is. Yeah, he was unrecognizable to me. He wasn't the his fat pro- racist one, he was the other one. Oh, he's the other one. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, the fat racist one, vile as he is, his performance is pretty damn good. Yeah. Especially his back and forth with um, with Mickey Rourke. But um, he's basically telling the guy, yeah, we found this guitar player with his dick cut off and shoved into his mouth, which is how he asphyxiated and died. And I'm like, whoa, movie. Yeah. Whoa. Why didn't you show me that? <laughs> but it's because, but it, it's because you don't know who did it. And in the scene where he leaves Toots, you see the fans that where there's another fan scene. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. The there's fan a is fan a scene after every. Yes, there's a fan scene after every person he sees. Is the fan a foreshadowing to the elevator at the very end? That I don't know. And, okay. and I just All right. have well, a theory with the fan that it's not anything I read or saw somewhere, I guess. I mean, I didn't dig that deep, but I think I have an idea. I haven't – yeah, I haven't researched this film at all. I just watched it. I, 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 and for anyone out there, yes, yeah, some, some films I will go in and I'll go see what other people said and I'll read theories and shit like that. This movie's one that I, I've only seen once and I just took it as a film and didn't do any, any research on. Um, so Dragonheart was not a sequel. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the detectives tell him like, yeah, we found this dude dead. You were there. Don't leave town. He's like, all right, cool. Whatever. That's that, And this, this is where he gets chased by those, those guys, right? With the dog. Yeah. Yep. So this is yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. I wanted to make sure that was correct. Yeah. He's, he's heading back, um, to Krauss marks, I believe. Yes. And is this where he is this where he finds her body? I believe so, but there's also one thing I wanted to say too is when he's in we'll say the poor part of Louisiana 
with all that voodoo stuff going on, I thought there was going to be a lot more to the story with the, maybe we'll say the parishioners of the church and the one guy, um, the, what would he be? The, the priest or whatever. He straight yeah. up says, he's like, I'm giving you all this information and I deserve money to be driving a Lexus or whatever. <laughs> or BMW. No, yeah. No, yeah. He's like, if you love God, you love and you me. love me. You want me to drive a Rolls Royce? Give yeah. your money to me. Oh, dude, I love that shit. I was yeah. like, oh, this is the best. I thought he was <laughs> playing a lot. I was waiting for his scene or his role, which I thought was a wasted opportunity. But yeah, so I believe yeah, this is the part where he's going back to Krausmark, who was Johnny Favorite's fiance and the lady he met. That's the palm reader, whatever. Yeah, so there's a chase in between this. There's two guys. You know, with an old, you know, Chevy pickup and uh, uh, was it a Rottweiler or a pit bull on the back? That was a pit. That was a pit bull, bro. Yeah, pit bull in the back. They chase him through the the crawfish Bad. part, and you know, he he lands on the crawfish catch. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's he's trying to. He pulls over, and I think he because it's he's suspicious of this truck that's been following him, and he's trying to. He he pretends to be haggling. And the, yeah, man, those guys released that dog on him. <laughs> it's the best. I was, I don't know why I was laughing my ass off and they were like, they were like, you better, you better leave town or some shit. They were pissed yeah. off. But yeah. He finds, he finds Margaret's body, dude. This chick had her heart cut out of her and placed on her table or whatever. Right. Yes. Yep. And he's going through her things at this point. Um, looking for something, looking for clues, looking for anything. You know, I, I got to say too, I really didn't talk about her as an actress, but the lady that played her is a fairly legit actress. I should have mentioned her in here. Uh, she was in some movies that we'd both recognize and I can't think of anything off hand right now, but yeah, she, she's, uh, she's, she's a fairly popular actress. But yeah. You get to see her in her, <laughs> you get to see her boobies and everything. I thought that the way they thought the <laughs> practical effects were terrible. With I didn't know that her heart was cut out until they showed the heart. It's not like you didn't like. No, you didn't like that. I no, because I didn't. Honestly, I didn't know that her heart was cut out until I saw the heart on the table. It just looked like just blood and stuff there. Like they didn't. I didn't think they did a good job. If they wouldn't have shown the heart laying on the table, I wouldn't have known that she had her heart cut out. Well, ne neither would I. But I just thought she had a big gaping wound in her chest. I just thought they stabbed the shit out of her and cut her up. Yeah, I just thought it was just a bunch of blood. When they, well, yeah, well, he finds the heart after looking through some things. And I want to say as a foreshadow, I did catch the noise in the vase. And I thought, what's in there? That's, that's, a, that's a clinking sound. What's in there? But he don't, oh, he don't bother. Oh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't bother checking that out. So he finds her body and he's like, fuck it. He, he touched all that shit. You don't see him wipe it down. So, again, possible plot hole. I think I discovered another one earlier that, that's freaking me out right now, but we'll get to it towards the end of, the, of this discussion. So, yeah, at, at this point, he has, like, was it? No, no, no. Yeah, he returns to his hotel after being chased through the streets by these enforcers, knocking that priest guy off of a <laughs> – there's, like, this jazz parade. Parade New Orleans. going through the town, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm 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 seeing these these guys marching. Um, it's it's that church again. The all the parishioners carrying their priest 
through the fucking streets. They're reverend. I think he'd be a reverend. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, Priest you know, is the Catholic the, thing. So. Yeah, or Episcopal or something. Um, but yeah, he's a reverend, and um, he's being carried <laughs> like old school Egyptian style, like on this fucking chair. The people are carrying him on their backs, and he's supposed to be a man of God. I don't know. Yeah, what what's the movie trying to say, man? I mean, right. there's all that going on, and Angel knocks him over, and it's it, it's kind of hilarious because he's he's trying to escape those those rednecks again with the, with the pit bull. Um, he goes home and he finds Epiphany there on his doorstep, and he's like, you know, come on in, baby. And they start like slow dancing, and I mean, the sexual vibe here is real. Well, the worst part is, is they they get going on the sexual vibe and then you find out she's 17 and you're like, Oh fuck. What's I was, happened? That And that's, I, I know earlier I said she was 17, but you didn't know that in the and, film when I said it. Yeah. You, you didn't you know find that out now. You, the viewer had an awkward boner and you're like, Oh fuck. And, and, and then you're like, Oh, he found out she's 17, but you forget guys, this is 1955. Yep. Shit was different. And even though the film was made in 87, I think they portrayed it right that in that time, they were it didn't matter. They were going to fucking bone. How it many was gonna of your happen. grandparents were married at 15, 16 years old? Or, you know, My like, father had me at 18 years old, everyone, as in I was born when he was 18. So he was 17. My mother, when I was born, was 23. So she was 22. You know what I'm saying? So mom is robbing the cradle. She did. And thank God, because I was here. So I'm a result of one of these weird Southern sexual fucking deviant practices, you know, fuck it, man. Fuck it. And he did. Mickey Rourke starts fucking her and the apartment that he's in this or hotel, whatever is leaking. It's just leaking. There's rich storming outside. The rain is going crazy. They're in New Orleans. It's hot and it's sultry and it's sweaty and they're making love and they're then they start aggressively fucking and the water leaking out of the ceiling starts turning to blood and there's this crazy satanic vision and, and like blood dripping off of a of a ceiling fan and splashing around the room. See, as a and, viewer, you're well, at least for me, like even though I knew that Robert De Niro's character was a devil, I was so fucking confused with what's going on at this point the hallucinations, the flashback, like, you know, something's up. This movie is, is, is classic in that it's doing a good job of, cause, cause I mean, to be brutally honest, there's, for me, there's some really slow parts of this movie, partly because I might've had some expectations going in, but it does a good enough job to keep you engaged because you're, you're constantly like, I know something's up. I know it's building and building and building and, and this isn't what it seems. And this isn't what it seems. And you just keep waiting for that to reveal itself. And every time he goes to a lead, he talks to somebody else. You see these flashbacks, these hallucinations, his fan. It's, it's building up to what eventually is coming. And this is, I would say the culmination of his, I don't know if you want to call it dreams or visions or hallucinations or whatnot, but yeah, this sex scene with the 17 year old daughter of his, which you alluded to earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So I'm spoiling it here, saying it now, the next scene, the next, after this culmination of madness and visions and blood and sex, 
this next scene is the movie that completely flipped it for me. I saw it in a, in a, in a whole different way at this point, And I was like all about this movie and it happens fast. I will say some people will probably be turned off by how fast it happens, but the manicness of it made me not give a fuck the setting of it. I was all in already with my Cajun boner. I was just like, fuck yeah, dude. So the next morning, uh, the police come to the door and that's where you find out that the, 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 the fat man is a racist vile pig because he's saying the N word left and right. And he, you know, but, but the performance is great. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm right. not saying I'm, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm saying it's a great performance. This dude, you, you feel like, well, fuck this guy. And he, you're he, talking to a guy that gave a Serbian film like a 9.25. So yeah, trust me. I know you, you can say it's a good performance with some no, I'm, pretty sketchy I'm, I'm subject matter. <laughs> I'm talking to the audience, man. I know. I know. You, I, I know. I know you. You, you picked yep. the movie. Yep. <laughs> you you answer for this shit. No, no. <laughs> so, but it's not this scene, though, folks. This is the precursor. So so Angel leaves um, Epiphany to bathe at his in his room. He's like, you know, he's gonna go figure out. Dude, how about what that the fuck? Very armpits. Do you think she just grew her armpit hair out for the movie, or or do you think? She- I don't know. Um, Call me traditionalist, but I was, that's kind of gross, man. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, look, um, I don't know. I've never been with a woman who had armpit hair as a thing. That's, that like, was like more of a joke rhetorical question. Um, but I like, don't think I we mean, can not talk about it in this, in this movie. Though. No, I mean, I'm going to go ahead such and a say good it. Like, yeah. If I was with a chick and she had armpit hair, I would be kind of like, oh. Oh, yeah, like, you just put your arms, like she had her arms up and like, I mean, it was right in his face, but Hey, it's the fifties. Hey man, man, it might've been normal, but man, it's normal in France or at least it was, what? I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we spent too much time on this topic already. Epiphany's armpit hair. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if, if you titled your episodes, like I was just going to say, I'm going to put <laughs> angel heart, AKA <laughs> Epiphany's armpit hair. <laughs> oh i love it um so he's gonna go find out from margaret he's gonna go talk to margaret krausmark's father uh, i did not catch his name i didn't write it down but he is you know the krausmark patriarch yeah yeah yeah. so we're gonna call it we're gonna call him pat krausmark all right he goes and, and he meets um krausmark he's a tubby white man he and, in, uh, in a, it's the most perfectly stereotypical rich white man plantation yeah you know that their money comes from plantation type whatever um and they're and, at, a, and, at a race a horse race i mean come on it's this movie this movie is in the 50s and this is before everyone civil rights and this right. is in louisiana there were still black people in in servitude employed servitude of white people um, you even see his daughter. She had a housemaid who was black, and they they were speaking Cajun French to each other. Oh yeah, um, like you, people don't realize that it wasn't until the late sixties that on. really, you know, your 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 Dr. Martin Luther King and civil liberties and all that shit was coming forward. I mean, it was we were a disgustingly racist country at this time still. <laughs> it was bad. So he, yeah, he he's out there and he's like, "Come on inside with me, son." And they go in, they go in, and dude, they're cooking the biggest pot of gumbo. Dude, I've ever if seen you in didn't get life. a fucking jumboner gumboner off of that, fucking, <laughs> I don't know. 
that that got me fucking rock hard. I mean, 20 milligram Cialis. I was fucking rock hard after looking at that. Dude, it looked great, didn't it? Oh, fuck yeah, it did. Just oh, had a rap, rapid boiling away. Oh, fuck. This this is and this this is the scene where I was like fuck yeah man yeah this is where it all gets ice, revealed ice so yes yep what's he do what's what exactly he does with the ice pick though very creepily chips away at massive blocks of ice like in a very uncomfortable manner while he's like, talking to him like you know I was taking it as as he knows that. Like, it, he was nervous. I think that he was nervous because he knew kind of what was coming. Everything I was saying before with stuff that's getting unlocked in the back of his head is coming to a front right now. And it's just like a nervous tick where he's just playing around with that ice pick and he knows. Yeah, so I, I think that the demons are starting to surface, if you will. He finds out that the father, Krausmark, Pat Krausmark, <laughs> not really his name and margaret were the ones that took johnny from that hospital they they uh bribed fowler with like 25 g's which in you wow, know that was a the, shitload of money back then totally 1945 uh, holy fuck he said he says that um he was a powerful magician john liebling was and he sold his soul to satan in exchange for stardom and he planned on, you know, getting out of this deal by impersonating somebody else. And how did he go about doing this? He kidnapped a soldier from Times Square. And throughout the film, we've been seeing flashbacks yep. of a woman and a man, a soldier in Times Square on New Year's Eve or something like that. So he's going to kidnap this soldier and in a satanic ritual, he cuts his heart out, his still beating heart, and eats it. So he's going to impersonate this soldier now, and he's out of the deal. Like this is like a loophole. That's probably why Louis Cipher has a lawyer. <laughs> right? Yeah. And the soldier he planned to impersonate gets drafted, so he's got to go overseas, and that's where he gets his injury. Right? That's how all yeah. this. Yep, yep. His injury to his face, his quote-unquote shell shock. Yeah, so he's got amnesia and shit. Um, and after they took him from, from the hospital, they left him in Times Square. Yeah, like literally knowing that he didn't know what the fuck was going on or where he was or anything. And it's like he hears this. He, run, he runs out like – or he goes – he runs to the bathroom. He, he throws up, up and he's like – who is he? Like, who's the fucking guy? He comes back and he finds Pat Krausmark just waist deep. And by waist deep, I mean head first in the cauldron of fucking boiling ass that gumbo. It was a cauldron. Yes, sir. Dude, it was. So this motherfucker is dead. He's dead. It's like, God damn it, man. He goes back to Margaret's house and he's searching again. And it's that vase he picks up. He picks that vase up and he smashes it. And inside there are some dog tags with the name Harold Angel on it. So this is it. This is when if you hadn't put it together beforehand, it's he is Harold Angel is Johnny Favorite. Yes. Did you know did did you know at this point? No. Well, 
yes, that's one thing. So going into this movie, I knew that De Niro was the devil, but this was an awesome, surprising surprise. And, and we'll, we'll harken back to the fan theory that I have is that my theory with the fan is I think you're right in that the very last scene, the movie with him in the elevator is that's the fan. But I think that the reason they show the fan spinning one way, stopping and going back is because from the time he talks to his lead to the time that he finds them dead, there's that gap and that fans rewinding it back because he's the one that killed every single one of them from the guitar player to Krausmark, uh, daughter and dad, you know, he's, he's the one that killed them. And I think that, you know, that fan is like a foreshadow or whatnot of, you know, Hey, let's back this up, go back in time because you're the one that ended up doing this. But then yes, we'll talk about the, you keep going and we'll bring that up again, I guess, later when he's in. The- I love, I love the idea of no, but that, that, that's awesome. Cause I did notice it back. Like you say, the backing up, and it could be, it's like, well, let's rewind though, because you're actually the one. Yeah, that's fucking cool, dude. So he's freaking out with this realization. And out of nowhere, Luis is sitting in her house on the couch and his hair is down. This is the first time his hair is like, yep. it's still, it's yeah. still slick back, but it's like not in a, in a bun or a ponytail. It's just laid out. And he's talking to him. And this is when Angel is like, Louis Cipher, Lucifer, like fuck, dude, and he reveals himself to be Satan. His eyes are glowing yellow, and he says that at long last he can claim what is his favorite's immortal soul. He, he like Angel is is like he's like I know who I am. I've never killed anyone, but at this point, man, he he looks in the mirror. And all of these memories are like revealing themselves to him of him killing Fowler, Toots, the Krausmarks, and Epiphany, like you said, his, his, which is his own daughter, ladies and gentlemen. That that he fucked his daughter, man. That might God, be the most damn. horrifying part of this whole movie. This is what I'm. That's what I'm saying. That's where the scary is. That's just fucked. Mm-hmm. He 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 hauls ass back to his hotel. And the police are already there. Um, your fat racist detective is there. And they found Epiphany. She's raped and murdered. So he, he raped her, everyone. He didn't, he didn't, there was no consensual shit going on. That was all in his mind. His dog tags are draped over her dead body. And they enter the room that the police do carrying um, her young son. So that's his. That's his grandson. And they're like, you know, you're going to burn for what you've done. And he's like, I know in hell. And that's when the child's eyes start to glow yellow, just as Cypher's had. And the credits hit. And I'm like, oh, fuck, really? But the credits keep going. Like, the, like and, and there's scenes spliced in between. And it sees Harry standing inside of um, an elevator and he's descending. This is where it fades to black. And you can hear Cypher whispering, Johnny, 
like he had at the beginning, which I didn't mention. Fuck, I wanted to mention that at the beginning. During the opening scene of the film where the cat is on the stair, the stairwell or uh, the fire escape, you can hear a voice whispering, Johnny, Johnny. And it's like... You know what I just realized, too, is there's probably a reason for having the cats in the beginning, too, because cats aren't cats a good warning of evil or something don't a black a, well, a black cat is like a bad omen yeah isn't there something else with cats though too is it, it cats will help ward off evil or something like that well i know that they were carrying the that voodoo no he wasn't voodoo they were carrying that that uh a, a crazy priest or reverend on a chair like the egyptians did and the egyptians loved cats so that has nothing to do with anything. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. So anyway, yeah, the movie the it, movie kind of ends on a Oh, well that's it. I mean, it 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 the movie ends like that. He goes down the elevator shaft. I yep. believe you do see that silhouette of the fan again and the film is over and that that's Angel Heart and as a first time watch, man, I mean I I was I was I was pleasantly surprised with this film in a lot yes, of ways. I mean, I've, I've I've tipped my hat a bunch by saying Cajun Boner and the the scene where I think a lot of people would get lost raging is suddenly Cajun Boner. Raging Cajun Boner, man. Um, it's fierce as a tiger. <laughs> I don't even watch sports. <laughs> <laughs> but De Niro's performance, Mickey Rory's performance, um, Rourke rather. What's her name? Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet. Lisa like Bonet. Bonet, but I think it's Bonet. Yeah, it is Bonet. That that her performance. Everybody in this yeah, movie, dude, was really good. Everybody's everybody's good. The story had me had me sucked. I was sucked into the story. I love the sets um, or settings rather, because I, I mean, this all looked like it was filmed on location. I was gonna say whether or not, even if this isn't a horror movie, a seventeen million dollar budget, eighty seven is a pretty good budget. For, for a movie yeah. like this, I mean, if you're not, like, doing some, like, all-out huge action, you know, movie where there's tons of, you know, fucking cars getting blown up and getting shot all over the world, I mean, that's a healthy budget for just not only a movie, but a horror movie especially, so. Mm -hmm. there, there's a lot, there's a lot that I like. Uh, <laughs> I've gone, I've gone through with that, but I do want to say the a plot hole that I and picked up you were going to say something else, too, that you thought was a spoiler, though. That that's what I'm getting to. Okay. W wouldn't Margaret have recognized him as Johnny Favorite? Wouldn't no, his? Because, oh yeah. Well, actually, now that you because at first, like I was like, no, they kept saying his face is all messed up. So maybe she didn't. But if if her and the dad picked him up and dropped him off at Times Square, either his face was still messed up and he got the plastic surgery after, or that that has to be the case. This because, is where I'm confused, you yeah. see. Yeah, that it's, has it's to kind of weird. Is, is he probably had the plastic surgery after they dropped him off. That's the guess. only thing it could have been. And it's yeah. and it's this movie's better than that being a problem to just gloss over the whole right. movie and say it's not worth watching. This movie is more than worth watching. Because Are we I gonna give that, out Yeah, I think that you can really pick because then you could just go into the whole thing like he would know that he has no memories beyond 10 years, right? I mean, yeah. so either he absorbs all the memories from Harold Angel 
the guys whose heart he messed. So I don't know if you're led to believe that he thinks that, like, when he goes back, all of his memories are all Harold's. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, that, that's got to be the only logical explanation is that he absorbed all of Harold's memories. <laughs> and, a logical explanation in a movie full of voodoo, chicken rituals, right, and soul yes. swapping, and heart eating, and... Y- yes, this, that, that's the whole thing I'm saying is, is I don't think this movie is meant for you to really be like, okay, what about this? It's enjoy it for what it is don't read too much into it kind of thing okay well okay so we we do our pros and cons then give our ratings right yes so i'm gonna go first because it's my movie and plus i want to go first before you (laughs) go ahead i'm curious i'm curious curious what you have so yeah i mean this is a first time watch for me i I'm, i'm kind of upset that i knew De Niro's character before I saw it. A couple I think of things. You, Go I, ahead. I think you can guess it though while watching the movie because yeah, I don't. I don't think too. I. Because fingernails just that opening. Scene, it exudes. Yeah. I keep saying the word exudes, but it does. It exudes yeah. the darkness and the evil man. It's like yep. he puts off those creepy Calvin Candy vibes, mm-hmm. and Calvin Candy ain't the devil, but man, he's close. So awesome, like Leonardo's performance in that film anyway yeah it, it's it's uh, i'm gonna go ahead and say you talked me up a half a point from where i was i'm not gonna give you my score yet but whoa there was a couple things that i had problems with because it's my own fault um i i went in with certain expectations and this movie was not what i thought it was I'm not saying it's a bad thing i will say that parts of it were were slow to me but it kept you engaged enough because it did a good, it was one of those movies that did a good job establishing a premise and leading you to its result. And it did it well enough in that you wanted to see and know the result. Lots of movies follow this formula. A lot of them fall short because they string you along and then you get to the end and you're like, that's it. And I think this movie did have, like in my case, knowing that De Niro's character was a devil was just a small part of it because of that whole, you know, Liebling is, uh, <laughs> Einhorn is Finkel, Finkel is Einhorn. I mean, that's kind of what's going on <laughs> with this whole thing. So, yeah, I, talk, I, I talk, enjoyed talk it. about a scene that would be shit on today. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no. Oh God. But that movie is so funny that I don't think anybody's gonna care. Even your no. PC, whatever, are gonna be like, yeah, that's kind of funny. But no, <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and just give my rating at a seven point five out of ten. I was really wanting to like this more, but I mean, let's face it, a seven point five is a pretty solid score. So. I would say definitely check it out. Uh, De Niro is making a second appearance on the Joe Blow Horror Show. Um, I, I want to say Pruitt Taylor Vince is making his third or fourth. <laughs> There's a theme here. Check it out, fellers and ladies. <laughs> what say you, Tibu? Well, man, I liked your score. Um, and since I talked you up a half a point, you were going to come in at a 7.5, so I must have – my my passion for some oh, of it must have, must have swayed you. Yeah, seven, seven. Yep. And 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 that passion, man, that hot take, first time watch. I enjoyed this way more than I kind of thought I would. 
knowing nothing about it other than the egg scene. But I just, I don't know. I, I, and I do love these type of noir sort of stories and the fact that it had enough horror elements in it. It's a movie about the devil. We just talked about Satan and cinema. So it's yes. perfect. It's perfect that, that, that this was a movie that followed. And I, 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 I love it, man. I'm, I'm giving this an 8.5 out of 10. Nice. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it helps that I've lived in both of these locations in my life. Um, so I just kind of, you know, it, even though I'm not walking down the exact same streets or driving down the exact same streets or meeting the exact people well, I've met, I've met all the same people in Louisiana and I've met people from Brooklyn. So it just, I, it, the movie was speaking to me on all them levels, New York, New Orleans, Satan. I'm like, fuck yeah, man, this is the trifecta <laughs> for T-Boo. And I'm like, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, man. A lot. 8.5 out of 10 with potential to rise. Um, this yeah. will be a movie I rewatch. So I'm glad you picked it. Thank you. Angel Heart. And it's an 80s movie, y'all. This is an 80s film. So when you're sitting there thinking about what 80s horror is and what defines 80s horror, this is one of those movies you could throw out there that's like, hey, by the way, this is like the Tom Waits of 80s music. Because while you're listening to AHA, Tom Waits is like, there's a lot going on underground like being crazy and shit and this movie's an i think this is a hidden gem of a horror film nice yep and and i just want to say that i completely feel you where you're coming from because i come from a small town in northern minnesota and there's been two pretty decently sized movies no i don't want to say that because a lot of people haven't heard of it but there's been two movies that had at least legit actors filmed in my town. And yeah, you go in obviously enjoying and liking them more than, you know, your, your traditional, just because you've got, you're like, Oh yeah, it's my town. It's, I recognize this and that and whatnot. So, and, and we're, and that's going to come into play in about an hour here. <laughs> so keep that in mind. So, oh. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up Angel Heart? Robert De Niro and Al Pacino have both been the devil. Yes. I, yes. I hope so there you devil's go. devil's advocate at some point. Oh, yeah. Spoiler, I like De Niro or uh, Pacino better, but that's just me. He, well, he, he gets a lot more seen yeah. to chew. For sure. Um, yeah, so Boss Tuna came in with a 7.5 out of 10, and I came in with an 8.5 out of 10 on Angel Heart from 1987.